0: Hello, Team Builder. Thank you so much for joining us today on Ask Michelle and Chris. We're here to answer your questions about team building so we can learn and grow together. I'm your host, Chris Cabert, of Fun Doing and On Team Building. I'm joined by my co-host, Michelle Cummings of Training Wheels. Let's go find out what we can answer for you today. Hey, Chris. How's it going? Hello, Michelle. It's, you know, I am... In a in a higher level of joy today because I am sitting across from you. You are at your training wheels warehouse. We so are. We are. I'm in Colorado. Came back to visit, kind of a holiday visit, end of November and December, just to see family and friends. And mm-hmm. we're going to take this opportunity to record some face to face.
1: I know. I love it. I love it when you get to come to the training wheels headquarters. Very nice. and- we get to play quote unquote play together yeah. here in person so yeah, it's
0: very cool yeah so things are are going well with you you've yeah. been busy
1: been busy um kind of back from several conferences the aee conference was amazing getting to be back in person with so many friends and colleagues and going to some fantastic sessions and there was just there was a lot of really great energy there so yeah. it was fun to be there and then i went I went three back-to-back conferences, though, two weeks straight on the road, so I was really ready to be home, wow. and then yeah. taking us into Thanksgiving break after that. So now I've got a little bit of downtime, and I'm really happy about that. Very nice. <laughs> very nice. Yeah, yeah.
0: me too. Our, our My full-time job is getting a little respite as well, but mm-hmm. we're, so it's catch-up. It's okay. kind of catch-up winter. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm actually looking forward to that because yeah. I've got a lot of things that I want to get caught up on from the year. And then, so we can move into the next year with you know kind of fresh eyes and fresh plans and excitement. So that that's a, end of the year has got that excitement to it. Nice. So that you can then, you know, moving moving forward. Okay, moving forward. All right.
1: What are we talking about today? We are talking about so as Chris and I were sitting here looking through our podcast account, we were looking like what was our our most downloaded. Episode. What was it? And one of the ones that has gotten the most downloads was Participant Behaviors That Drive Us Crazy. Now, we did that one in 2021, a little over a year ago. And so we thought, well, there are definitely participant behaviors that drive us crazy. But there are also facilitator behaviors that also drive us crazy. So we thought maybe we could do a whole episode on that so we started like kind of writing down like how many do we have we're like ooh, this could be a multi-episode topic if we wanted it to be But i think we're going to con- try to get it all into this one and then if it's if we come up with more later then we'll do a part two
0: but, yeah, and send us more yeah us more that's Sarah. true we're we really love answering your questions so uh we have another you know one more episode this year and we're going to ask for favors and moving into the next year of podcasting, we want to find out what you want to learn more about. Uh, I'm going to start out with the one, when I was uh, student teaching, my biggest lesson uh, was around phys- uh, filler words, oh, okay. filler words. Hmm. My experience with my first observation as a student teacher, I was a physical education teacher, so I was doing my internship, and I was observed for the first time, I said... Um, what was that word? It was um, okay. So I said okay 75 times in uh, my first half an hour lesson. Oh, wow. I, so my observing teacher, he was really good at giving me really concise feedback. And he said, okay. Just start listening for it.
1: He said okay. He said okay. <laughs>
0: he probably said okay. Who knows? But he, said, okay. It, he helped me to get to... First you got to recognize mm-hmm. that you're saying it and then once you recognize it then you can start cutting it out as you go. So it took me a while. Mm. And then when I started training or educating physical education teachers when I taught at college, it was that was a big thing for me is to yeah. help them learn how to get rid of those filler words before they went out and became teachers. Got it. To me it it be it's a it's a habit. Mm-hmm. and it's it, you just you don't like the pause the silence so mm-hmm. we fill it with something right and that tends to be on that scale of maybe just being a little uh, unaware so you want to be purposeful you want to get rid of those things that could be distracting mm-hmm. cuz now for me when i hear that then i just start counting and i don't even listen it's hard mm-hmm. for me to listen to a person because those things show up for me and that distracts me maybe it's different nowadays with the kids. Maybe they don't really hear that in their teachers, but as an educator who wants to do better, I think that's something we can help train and coach someone out of. And the best way to do that is to film the person
1: Mm. and so you
0: can hear their voice and then let them watch themselves facilitate then they can start to hear them saying it. Yes. And then they, you can start coaching and helping them to get rid of that. And then they become a really good presenter speaker. Yeah. So, so other filler
1: words, some people are um. Oh, yeah. They say the um a lot. I know that I personally am a sewer. I say so. You know, it's where my mind is kind of pausing. So, I probably sew a little bit too much. Yeah. This, Maybe. Do you have a new filler word, or are now are you more self aware and conscious of it enough that you don't feel like you have one?
0: I'm I'm pretty good at not saying filler words, but I have noticed being around the ropes course staff that I'm with, so comes up. Their word mm. is so, oh, they're so across the board. Okay, all almost all of them have the so word because they're around each other all the time Mm. and they they listen to each other so it's normal it seems normal for them Mm -hmm. and i do catch myself when i'm around them (laughs) it just it just comes out it's kind of weird then i have to then i hear it but i'm able to hear at this point in time i can hear those fillers okay it's just about slowing down just slowing down and just breathing pausing is good yep okay that space is good for thinking and other things so what do you got
1: One of my facilitator behaviors that somewhat drives me crazy is when I see someone that is being a little too over the top silly. Now, don't get me wrong. I love like sense of humor is an absolutely essential trait of a good facilitator. I like things that are funny. I, like if you hear if you've listened to this podcast at all, you've heard me Chris and I both share about the fun we bring and things like that. But when I see someone being so over-the-top silly that now all of a sudden it's borderline ridiculous and you start to see the participant's reaction to it, the eye rolls, it what, for me, I think what it does is it starts to reinforce some of the negative connotations that sometimes are attributed to our field that, oh, it's all the hold your hands, kumbaya kind of team building stuff. So when I see someone that is... Demonstrating behaviors that reinforces that a little bit too much, and then you also see it landing not so great on the on the participants as well. That's what I'm like. Oh, it's painful for me sometimes to watch. Now again, I'm like be, having fun and doing all that is totally fine, but not so much that it takes it to the not serious, it's, where they're not necessarily taking what we're doing seriously. Right,
0: right. It it pushes our participants away versus drawing them towards right. us. Right. Exactly. Yeah.
1: yeah. You know, and it's it's the serious fun. I mean, I know Mark Collard uses that phrase a lot as well. It's the things we're doing are fun, and there's but there's intent behind it. So when I feel like maybe some of the behaviors are pulling us away from the true intent of the actual program, the sequence, whatever it is, that's what I'm like. It's going a little bit too far, yeah. and that that's that's a challenge for me.
0: And training wise, it's about observing someone if you have trained them if you are their manager if you are in charge again it's another coaching piece Mm -hmm. it's like you know be attentive to the group find out where they're at the idea um there's a a way and i believe it's a neuro-linguistic programming nlp if and correct me if i'm wrong if those of you if you're familiar with nlp is we want to try to meet our group where the kind of the emotion or the energy level that they're at mm-hmm. and we if we want to draw them into a higher level of energy and in that engagement and participation we start where they're at and then we start changing a little bit at a time we start changing the energy we start changing the vibe of the thing of the group of the process to be able to draw them so we've got to be careful on how how far we are apart from where they right. are at the time when they get there. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we've all had that experience, I think. So it's just... Yeah, I, I and silly, can you be silly with kids right away? Of course. Maybe, maybe we, yeah. yeah, but kids get silly and you can be silly, but then maybe we're going from silly to more serious. Now we're drawing them in a different direction, especially if you can do a high ropes course. So just a matter mm-hmm. of where we are. Yeah, I mean, it yeah.
1: depends on your group, absolutely. The intent, the focus, all of that. But uh, but yeah, that's, that's definitely one of mine. Yeah.
0: All right, one of my other ones is around not paying attention to your group, and or uh, individuals in your group. Oh, okay. So there's, there's, We talked about several things that are within this category. My first thing, when I am watching facilitators in a way to help them get better, I would like facilitators to be what I call near the group, mm. near enough so they can hear Because we want, as facilitators, we want to hear things that come up because those inform us about questions to ask during processing. Mm. If you're not close enough to hear, your questions might not be relevant to what they're talking about. Uh, I had a great example of a company I worked for. I was walking by a group of uh, two other facilitators were facilitating. The whole group was on the whale watch, and the other two facilitators were at least 10 to 12 feet away from them talking to each other. Mm. they were not close to spotting they were not close enough to hear what the group is saying so they were not engaged with the group so mm. to me that's one of the things paying attention to what's going on with your group you're, when you're facilitating you're on the job and right. you should be on the job all the time in, in my opinion as much as possible unless you know there might be circumstances you had a little another paying attention piece
1: yeah you know for me also it's it's yes absolutely for me it's It's also when i see people that are on their phones a lot so it's one of those that you know when i was a facilitator in the field day in day out this was before cell phones lived in our pockets right we had maybe the brick phone that lived in our car or something like that but but you know when i was you know in the woods really working with you know in adventure therapy and whatnot every day all day cell phones in my pocket was was not a thing, right? We actually wore watches for our, you know, to know what time it was and things like that. So I feel like phones now are such a distraction piece where they can, they, they pull our energy away. And even if you don't pull your phone out of your pocket to look at it, if you've got it on vibrate or silent or something like that, every single time that buzzes, it is pulling your energy or your attention away a little bit from whatever it is that's happening right, right there in the group. Yeah. now I I have my cell phone in my pocket all the time now so I will say that is I I do not pull it out though while they are actually in the process of doing an exercise because your focus does need to be right there on the group
0: yeah yeah and we we both agree on this topic um, Adamantly, Mm -hmm. And and I know that's our value, our expectation. And I know there are some people that I've encountered that their phones are their only lines of communication cross-staff. I get that. You and I probably did walkie-talkies different times Mm -hmm. where we would communicate with group people through walkie-talkie. So it's about a, a program objective or value is if I'm facilitating... If I'm working with a group, is that a a norm of, is it phones off? If you really needed somebody, then you'd have to go physically go get them or, you know, in an emergency. I don't know how that works nowadays Mm -hmm. because there are expectations are changing. And I've seen it distracting to the point where someone is actually looking for a facilitator's help when they're on the phone. Right. Uh, And that's that bothers me. That's that's not paying attention. If you are there working with a group, to me, attention needs to be given to your group. That's your job.
1: Now, the time I have had my phone out with a group is when I was using it as a stopwatch.
0: Yeah, right. So things like that,
1: you know. And are there going to be exceptions to the rule? Absolutely. You know. And this kind of plays into my next one as well, which is around role modeling and so for me like when i'm doing corporate training if i'm in the classroom and if i have set an expectation up for the group that hey when you're when we're in the training when we're when we're listening you know in the classroom or whether we're doing an exercise i'm going to ask you to please have your your cell phones put away so that way we can focus on the learning so if i have now set that up as an expectation with my participants that even they should not have their cell phones out I have to make sure that I am role modeling so this the next category is facilitators having a different set of rules or expectations than what the participants have simple example of this is if you're working outside in a wilderness based setting or an outdoor setting and if your participants are required to wear closed-toed shoes then you as the facilitator cannot show up in your Chacos or your Tevas you then also would have to have closed toed shoes so that's like a a simple example of how the rules need to apply to you that are also applying to the participants because they are going to role model what they see you do right so so that role modeling then when it comes to cell phones i think is the same and it's you know whether it's kids group or a corporate group because i do so much more corporate work now than i than i do work with kids anymore but that there you as the facilitator like you're their equal, um, even though you're the facilitator. So you too need to make sure that whatever you have asked them to whatever behaviors or rules or norms or whatever you've set up with them, that they also apply to you. Yeah,
0: and, and I think it's fair to also say if, if there's an exception, if there is someone in your, I always say to my group, I said, please, phones on silent, But I know there could be family things or could be work things that you need your attention right away. I get it. So put them on vibrate. If you need to take care of it, go take care of it. Understandable. Mm -hmm. For us as facilitators, does that that work? You know, if I've got a family emergency and I'm leading a group, that's an interesting thing Mm -hmm. to, can I, am I still allowed to take a phone call because I've got a family emergency that's in play, so to speak? If that's the case, then it's just informing your group. Mm-hmm. If you're working with kids and they have phones, you know what are the expectations? If, fo- if, if they have a phone, the phones need to be in there. But you know, whatever you do, thinking about how you're seeing, how they are seeing you. Uh, an example that we have is when we are uh, on our high ropes course and we're zipping. Our participants are in sit harnesses, and we ask them not to go upside down. Mm. And then our facilitators are working at height. They have full body harnesses. And then when they go off at the end of the day, they like to flip upside down. They like to have fun. However, if there are kids around that see them going upside down and Mm. maybe they're on the ropes course tomorrow, they all of a sudden, well, that person went upside down. I'm going to go upside down. And then so you'd have to, if you like doing that, then you're, doing a staff training and you get to go flip upside down later you know it's fun yes it's fun but how are we uh, showing ourselves and our behaviors to the people that we work with. Yeah. They watch us more than we realize. Oh yeah,
1: I mean yeah. mirror neurons are a thing, right? People will mirror the behavior that they see other people do. So that's why that role modeling piece for me is is, is a big one. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, and I did a program um, earlier this year at a government facility with nuclear physicists and literally the, the building we were in was so secure that nothing with a battery was allowed to come into the building. No watches, no... Cell phones, no computers, no nothing that had a battery. And I want to tell you, it was the most focused group I have worked with in uh, so long because literally there was nothing to pull our effort, energy, anything away from whoever was talking, the task we were doing.
0: It was a beautiful (laughs) experience. It really was. Very cool. Just to have, because you can't worry about it because it's not with you. Right, it's not with you. Now you can focus. Mm -hmm. That's what I ask my groups, to. It's like, I understand. We understand. The more you can be here, the more you're going to get out of the, mm-hmm. the program. Uh, one of my other things uh, is the idea of uh, lack. We call this, Michelle and I figured it was the lack of efficiency. Mm-hmm. This, for me, is around programming, and you have a certain block of time with a group. Uh, Say so you have a two-hour program, and, and stopping on time is important. When I watch facilitators use a lot more language than they need to, like when they (laughs) over-talk or Mm over-share or or spend more time on non-focused things with a group, that leads me to believe that they're just not aware of the time factor. Mm -hmm. And it's not about going fast because I think you can still... Have a really good program and tell people what you need to do and build rapport without having to expand on your vocabulary, so to speak. Uh, Getting a group through a program is going to be important, so if you have a two-hour window and then the next group is coming the next two hours, if there's rotations, things like that, if you have time at the end, then you can elaborate a little bit Mm -hmm. more, but get to what you need to be doing. Help people with their harnesses. We believe in experiential education. We want them to problem solve. However, when you have a limited time, mm-hmm. where other people are expecting you to be uh, on time and give them the same kind of program, now we just have to change our methodology a little bit. Mm-hmm. We have to get them going. We got to get them on. We got to get their harnesses on. We we got to help them a little bit more than if we had a lot of time to do a little exploring and experimenting sure. and figuring it out on their, on their own, we gotta get a little hands on. We gotta yeah. have a little pep in our step. We have to get them um, to the point where they are gonna be safe, solid, secure in the way that you give them enough information that they can operate what they need to operate.
1: Yeah, and the right amount of pressure is actually a good thing, right? There's, there's a lot of research out there that shows that if there's all the time in the world, then we can get complacent or bored or procrastinate and we'll just put things off but the right amount of pressure like okay i need to have everything done by x time that's actually really good for us that's when we feel productive and we get the most done but if it goes beyond that where now all of a sudden it's too much pressure then that's that has the opposite effect and that's where it, like negative stress starts to come in so the right amount of pressure is good and some people don't have good self-awareness around that and they don't they don't apply that appropriate amount of pressure to themselves, or maybe to the group, to move on to the next thing. And so, you know, when time is a constraint, that is absolutely an essential. You gotta, you gotta keep on track. It's a skill. Mm-hmm. It's a skill. It you is. gotta
0: be aware of what you're working under, yep. and still do a good job, mm-hmm. and still do the job that you need to do. Yep. All right. I think we have got time for one more. Okay, one more. Up? My yeah.
1: last one is when facilitators sometimes will adapt or change the sequence of things to maybe fill a personal agenda now I haven't seen this one a whole lot but every once in a while I have seen this one pop up where all of a sudden they just decide you know what let's I'm gonna take the group down a different path and we're gonna do this instead so an example I can give one time um, I had 15 contract staff on this one program was a huge school and this principal and this school district that brought us in it was really important to the powers that be that all of the teachers that were going through this staff training and whatnot were gonna have a shared experience so that when when they all got back and they could, you know, have a meal together at the end of the day, then they could all talk about what happened in their groups and they all did the exact same sequence and activities so that way they they could have this shared, you know, conversations and experience. So and I had one facilitator that particular day. Now this was right after the nine eleven attack, so this was a long time ago but this particular the group that this facilitator was leading something popped up you know in one of the debriefs or something that that was a ref, they were reflecting on what had happened here in the United States after 9/11 and it was just a few weeks after that had happened and so so they were talking and he said you know what let's just go ahead and stop what we're doing and we, let's just I mean, if you haven't really had an opportunity to talk about it let's just let's just stop and let's just have a good conversation. Well, the conversation went really long, and so therefore, this group then didn't get through all the activities that all the other groups did and so then, when that was revealed later that this one group didn't have the same shared experience that was it was problematic and it it went against the grain of what the desired outcomes of the program were so in my mind that that particular uh facilitator then kind of used their personal power if you will to kind of manipulate and change the sequence of activities and the things or the group experience for their particular group that they were leading and in charge of that day so um, there's been a few other times that that has happened um, as well to where all of a sudden the you know it just you, you go down a different path than what was originally discussed or agreed upon or something like that so a little bit of a, that that behavior kind of drives you crazy a little
0: bit too and it's important about what you said, agreed upon. Mm -hmm. I think that's sometimes as a a program manager or the people hiring those 15 people, sometimes we assume that they're all on the same page and they all kind of agreed Mm -hmm. versus formally saying, okay, here's the program. Does everybody agree that we're going to stick to this? Even though some other things might show up, this is important to stick to. That might be a uh, a way we can help so that there's an understanding going in because a lot of facilitators that I know like to take those tangential paths because they're important at the time to the group. Mm-hmm. Yes, understandable if you have the time. Again, it's that constraint. Right. What are you under? What are you? Which skills and abilities and behaviors do you need to use within the constraints that you have? And what have you agreed to? Yeah. That's And that's part of us as people in charge helping those that are facilitating the groups Mm -hmm. so it's all it's it's observation it's feedback it's understanding each person's different kind of facilitation style what do they need how much more information do they need and making sure the facilitators know the outcomes the clients want too so there's ways we can help to avoid some of these behaviors that drive us a little crazy Mm -hmm. so it's not all on them right it's also on us as well how do we help them get better and you and I both said it's kind of our values. So mm-hmm. Michelle and Chris's values around what we think is important. And we get that. You yeah. know, and how do we agree as a group on what values to do together? Like mm-hmm. what do we value together and how can we get through? That's It's just talking, communicating.
1: Well, and I think what it also boils down to is experience and self-awareness. Because if I look through our list of six or seven things here of behaviors that drive us crazy... I have done all of these things you know in my career as a facilitator and so i know there have been times that i have been way too over the top silly i know also that i am not for everyone some people think i'm way too silly in front of groups right so so i i i have that very good self-awareness for me i can be super fun and silly but i also know exactly when I need to stop and take it back to the serious and things like that. You know, I also, I totally admitted that I had my filler words. There's been times I've probably not paid attention. There's probably been times I've not been a great role model. So all of this, I fully and 100% am very aware of, I have done all of these things. And these are now, now that I've got 20 plus years of experience of facilitation under my belt, that now that I see them and I understand the why behind it now and how it might actually be bouncing badly off our participants as well. So it's about creating that experience, that safe place for learning, um, but then also having that really good self-awareness as a
0: facilitator as well. Thanks so much for listening. If you have additional answers or comments about this question, please send them our way. And if you have a question you'd like us to tackle, we would love to hear it. You can find the submission link and anything we discussed in today's episode in the show notes. Find the show notes and past episodes at onteambuilding.com forward slash askpodcast. That's onteambuilding.com forward slash askpodcast.
1: You can find me and sign up for my newsletter at training-wheels.com.
0: You can sign up for my Fun Doing Fridays activity email and find me at onteambuilding.com. We hope
1: you join us next week for Ask Michelle and Chris About Team Building.